Um, let me, uh, there we go. Now let me see if this is working. Yay. Hey, um, so I told you, I told you already that we're going to talk about prophecy a little bit tonight. I'm going to share for a few minutes. I'm going to have my amazing wife, Suzanne, come up and share for a few minutes. Then we're going to have some some people coming up to give prophetic words, like looking at you and seeing what the Lord wants to say about you. We'll do that for a while. And then we're going to have even more people come up, more ministry teams, so that you can come up and, um, you know, and, and hear from the Lord for yourself. Although I will tell you right away, the best words you're ever going to get in life are the ones he gives you personally. Far and away. Um, just this morning, I was reading my journal and reading some of the words he gave to me, and I, oh, I was feeding off of those. They're, they're so good. They're so good. And I know they're real, and I know they're right because he gave them to me. Um, but sometimes when this is all, this, all, this whole idea of God speaking to us um, or God wanting to actually give us messages, if it's new to you, sometimes it helps to hear from other people first kind of what God's voice sounds like. Like he's actually in a good mood. He actually likes you. But if you don't know that, then you might not be listening for that. So, so we're just going to give a little bit of instruction and then jump into some of the good stuff. Um, so prophecy, which we're also calling treasure hunting, is uh, the reason why we call it treasure hunting is because uh, prophecy is, is actually and simply just conveying the heart of God, the real, actual heart of God. Uh, but when you understand his heart, then you understand it really is about treasure hunting because he sees the yumminess in all of his kids. He really does. It's what he looks for. It's what he sees when he looks at you. So that's, that's an easy definition, of a quick definition of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14.1, just so you know, it's in, in the Bible. It says, make love your aim. We talk about that all the time here. But be eager, too, for spiritual gifts and especially for prophesying. Why would he say especially prophesying? Well, because really those two go hand in hand. If love is your aim, the more you know the heart of your loving father, the more you accurately represent him to others and speak his, his word to others, you're going to be speaking a whole lot of love. You're going to be releasing this love out to the earth, which is exactly what God wants. So he says, I want you, you guys, I don't want you to be silent. I want you to go ahead and represent me. Just do it, do it the right way. Represent me well. 1 Corinthians 14.3, two verses later, says uh, that someone who prophesies speaks to other people, building them up, giving them encouragement and reassurance. This is what prophecy is for. You, you might hear some other things out there. You might, you might hear some people who seem really, really, really angry Christians who are really angry and yelling a lot and spits flying out of their mouth and they're red in the face and they're saying, God says, I'm so ticked at you. And See, <clears throat> and, and many of those same people will say, I'm, I'm a prophet like Jeremiah, like Ezekiel. You see, they actually have some, they, they actually have done some reading. They, they actually can find places in the Bible where, where it talks about you know, the wrath and the, uh, you know, if you don't measure up, this is going to be your, your uh, punishment. 
I'm not saying it's not in the scriptures. It is. The thing is, though, you, you have to understand there's new covenant and old covenant. If you don't understand that, you miss the whole thing. The old covenant was a covenant of law. And, it, and it, I, I, I'm not going to go into all the details right now, but, but it was a covenant of law. People couldn't measure up to it. God says, I, I know that, but the law is, is making everybody in the world know their need for a Savior because a Savior is coming. Jesus comes. And, and remember, even uh, John the Baptist, he says he was the greatest of the old prophets. He's the greatest of the prophets of the old covenant. Every, it says every believer in the new covenant is greater than John the Baptist. Yes. That's what it says. And John the Baptist was the best of the old covenant prophets. See, we have a whole new message now. And we've got to get the message right. The message is grace. The message is there's a God who actually likes you. The, the message is we extend the love before they deserve it. We tell them about the love and the forgiveness and the mercy of God, not because they're getting their acts together. If you turn around, then God will love you. No, then you miss the point. The point is he loves you because he loves you. Do you want him? See, if we would get the message right, we'd have a lot more people flooding into the kingdom. The message is he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And Jesus took care of every problem that there is of sin. So nothing separates you from God. Do you want in? Who wouldn't want that? See, that's, that's, that's building up, giving encouragement and reassurance. So I'm going to read this again. Someone who prophesies speaks to other people. Now read this part with me. Building them up, giving them encouragement and reassurance. So if you think you're prophesying, but it's not building up, giving somebody encouragement and reassurance, that's not prophecy, that's not prophecy in the New Covenant. Because there's the definition right there. Here's how it's said in the Message Bible. It says, you're letting others in on the truth so that they can grow and be strong and experience his presence with you. That's a great way of saying it. That's, that's uh, that same verse in the Message Bible. So um, I want you to know that you can hear God's voice. If you don't believe you can hear God's voice, then you certainly don't probably think other people can, and then the whole thing about prophecy just doesn't make a lot of sense. But you do hear God's voice. You hear his voice. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. The sheep hear his voice. He was talking about himself, the shepherd. One by one, he calls his own sheep and leads them out. He goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow because they know his voice. I would like everybody in this room to say, I know the shepherd's voice. You know what? You just prophesied to yourself. Seriously, that was prophecy. I know the shepherd's voice. Yes, you do. Our problem is, is we think that uh, when, we, when we hear about the words hearing God's voice, we're thinking audibly, you know, Moses. over to the bush. <laughs> See, we think, we think everything's audible. Um, but in most cases, that's not true. A lot of times people will say, wow, I heard God so clearly that I, I could have sworn it was audible. And, and maybe it was. Um, but, I, but in most cases, it is you so in tune with his heart 
that you, you know what he feels like, you know, what, you know uh, certain things that he's bringing into your spirit, and your spirit kind of ushers it up to your mind, and you get this brilliant thought. You're like, wow, where did that come from? Am I saying that every thought you have is God? No, I'm not. But, but you, the more, the closer you get to the Lord, the more you will discern, you will be able to tell, oh, I know the sweetness. Oh, I know the peace. Uh, that voice I know. That's, that's my Savior. You do hear his voice. Um, I, I could go on and on, but we don't have time because this isn't an in-depth um, exposition of prophecy tonight. Mostly we're just going to do it. Isaiah 54 and 5 uh, Lord Yahweh, I love this one. The Lord Yahweh has given me a disciple's tongue. So this is all of you. Just receive this for yourself. In fact, if it speaks to you, write it down on your journal because that's why you have it. God can speak to you through a scripture, through anything that suddenly becomes alive to you. You're going, whoa, wow, I feel like I've never heard that before. That's the Holy Spirit saying, that's for you. Write it down. So the Lord Yahweh has given me a disciple's tongue for me to know how to give a word of comfort to the weary. That means you all get to do that. Morning by morning, he makes my ear alert to listen like a disciple. The Lord Yahweh has opened my ear and I have not turned away. That's uh, the New Jerusalem Bible. It's my favorite version. Well, one of my favorites. It's the one I preach from often. So you do hear God's voice and you have God's permission to speak his heart of tender love to believers and pre-believers alike. Amen. It's kind of funny how we, we all do this. We, we, we grow up getting used to kind of categorizing people. You know, you're in, a, you're in a store, and right away you're starting to go, well, this person's like, oh, they're wearing that, so they're like this, and okay, they're whatever. We all do that. We, we, we categorize people. I'm not saying judgment in necessarily even a bad way, but we do judge. We, we kind of figure out who we think people are. Well, you know what? What if you just treated everybody the same and you just loved them because they were God's child, worthy of love, and you just said good things to them because that's just what you do, and you didn't even know whether they were a believer or, or a pre-believer, and God just used you to bless them regardless? That's kind of the way when we go out places, when we go out, we've gone out ministering in the streets and had all kinds of fun uh, it's, we, 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 we bless and minister to just as many Christians as, as pre-Christians. I'm going to keep saying pre instead of non because I'm prophesying because God wants all of his kids with him in his, in his banquet table at the, end, at the end of this age. So, you know, we end up ministering to Christians, non-Christians, or pre-Christians alike because because they're made in the image of God because they're awesome. You would be amazed how many Christians don't know how awesome they are. Yes. Um, you, you get to be a bringer of that really good news. So we're as ambassadors of reconciliation. It says that I'll let you read that later, 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20. What it means is, is that our main job is to, is to take people's hand and to show them God and say, hey, he likes you, he's for you, he wants you. See, that's what Jesus, he came to bridge the gap, right? He came to say, I'll be the way so that you can go to the Father. And he says, I want you all to be a part of the same ministry. Reconciliation, God is for you. He likes you. Not when you get your act together, but because he likes you. One of the most amazing scriptures to me is when the paralytic was lowered through the roof by his four friends 
to be healed by Jesus. And Jesus says, take heart, your sins are forgiven. That's, have you ever thought about this story that he was, he never asked to be forgiven? Doesn't that break every like formula we have as Christians? God can't forgive you unless you ask for forgiveness. Oh, really? Really? Or was it that he first loved us, therefore we were able to love him in return? Is it that Jesus did it all and somehow we were in on it before we were even alive to be part of voting on it? And all we, all we have the choice is whether we want in. See, that's the kingdom. That's the gospel is God forgives you. What? Yeah, he forgives you. Do you want it? Do you want to be forgiven? Because he forgives you. So Jesus says to this guy, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus is perfectly representing the Father there. He hasn't even died yet on the cross, just to, let, just to throw that in there, just to, just to mess you up a little bit more. That means it, all, it always was the Father's heart. It's just that the cross proved what the Father's heart always was. I'll let you chew on that one for a minute. And here's what I already said earlier, that love is the universal language. You're like, I don't know. I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to say. How about you just love then? Just love people. It's the best thing you could do. Ooh, new covenant of grace. I talked. I, I t- woo! I, I talked about that. My definition of grace is God doing for you what you couldn't do for him or for yourself in a million years. That's grace. Grace says, I got it covered. I, I, I know you couldn't. I did it for you. Um, so whatever lenses you look through are going to color what you see or how you see yourself and others and what you say to them. So this is a really important question. Do you have, you have lenses of judgment or do you have lenses of grace? And I will say, unfortunately, um, there are a lot of believers who, who really uh, have these you know, kind of thick glasses of judgment, just meaning that they believe that God is really ticked off at them, at others, at the world. It's just a matter of time before he, you know, loses his final temper and does away with all of us and says, forget about it because none of you treated my son the right way. You know, I mean, that's kind of the way it is. It's uh, someone who sees judgment, sees everything as negative. Well, guess what's going to come out of you when you talk to other people? Exact same thing. And here's another thing. If you don't think you're measuring up, if you think God's ticked off at you because you're not measuring up, this is where, this is where um, in the church, uh, where we, when you talk about people being hypocrites and everybody kind of judging everybody, well, this is where it all comes from, is when you're on the performance track and you're not measuring up, you're upset at yourself. You start getting upset at everybody else. And if I have to live this thing and I'm not doing so good, well, I'm going to make sure that you know you're not doing so good so that I try to feel better about myself. It's this really ugly mess. It's really ugly. And it's not the kingdom at all. So, um, you know, at this point, again, I, I don't have time tonight to go into it all, but people will say, well, what about sin then? It doesn't matter. Of course it matters. It matters so much that, that God dealt it a, a severe death blow on the cross and he put his very own Holy Spirit in you to not leave anything to chance. 
Our job is to figure out and agree with who we are and we start living the very essence of who we already are. We've made it way too difficult. So, what, great, what lenses do you have? And Jesus, who came to perfectly represent the Father, he speaks this way to us. I'm going to read one translation in Ephesians 5, uh, one scripture, Ephesians 5, 25 to 29, in two different translations. This, again, is, is just showing you uh, Jesus' heart and what he does with his words with you so that you know what to do with your words for other people. This is where uh, Paul says, Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church. It's a love marked by giving, not by getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. See, he's not coming back for a messed up bride who hates herself. So how is she going to get there? How is she going to get beautiful? Well, he's going to beautify her by telling her who she is until she believes it. (laughs) Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that's how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. And that's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. I know you've heard, many have heard me say this before, but just like in marriage, husband and wife are one. Therefore, if you're going to tear each other down, guess where you're going? You're going there with them. It'd be the the silliest thing you could do. Instead, if if you want to be married to a princess, you treat her as one. If you want to be married to a prince, you treat him as one, and you will be. It may take some time, but love wins. And I'll tell you what, so Jesus, we're, us and Jesus, we're one. When you say yes to Jesus, you're one forever with him. This is why he will never, ever, ever tear you down. He's not going down there. He's bringing you up here. So he's going to keep telling you who you are until you finally believe it. And here it is in the mirror translation. Same scripture, just portions of that same scripture. His love, his love words bathe us and removes from us every stain of sin. This intimate language presents the church to himself, to his delightful approval without any distraction or reminder of a blemished past. No wrinkle or scar of sin's abuse remains. She stands before him in immaculate innocence drink that one in remember that song earlier where uh, Emmanuel's from Emmanuel's vein you know coming straight into us grace anyway I don't remember the words but it was something like that the most valuable thing a man can ever do to add value to his own life is to love his wife loving your wife equals loving your body get the message you are the body of Christ he does not merely tolerate you politely Oh, no, that's not what a good husband would do. He delights himself in you. (laughs) 
I told you you'd be encouraged tonight. This is the crazy thing. This is the crazy thing about resting in God. The only way you don't get the yumminess and the joy and the, and the fun and the love of everything I've just said is if you're sitting there saying, can't be true, won't believe it, can't make me believe it. That's the only way you don't get to enjoy what's yours. So if you might be thinking that, all I can ask you to do is seriously later on, go, go back to the Lord and say, God, is what that guy said true? Is it really true? And if it is, I want you to show me. Okay, you pray a prayer like that, it won't be long before you're laughing like some of these people, <laughs> like lovers. And I think, um, I think my part is done, let me see. Oh, one more, one more slide. So here's the very last part. I, I'm not seeing my lovely wife, so I'm hoping she's gonna be here in a minute, but otherwise it's just you and me. Um, here's the very last part is, oh, there you are, is, is um, what you have freely received, you freely give. That's the deal. The deal is you can't hog it for yourself. You can be a glory hog. You can enjoy the glory all you want, just so long as you got this other side of you that just kind of spills out everywhere you go and where you want to bless people and you want to give away the love that you've given because the more you give away, the more you get back. Press down, shaking, running over. That's the way the kingdom works. You give the good stuff away and more of it comes right back at you. Which is why Jesus left us with a new command. Love one another. And we're saying, Lord, I'm trying really, really hard. I'm trying really hard to love. And he says, <laughs> he says no, that's not the new command. The new command is, as I have loved you, so you love one another. That's the new command. And it works. So this is where I get to call up my tag team partner, and uh, she's going to tell us what to do with words when we get them. Suzanne Locker. All great encouragers. You guys are amazing encouragers. Thank you. Whew. Okay. I want you to keep in mind um, as I'm talking the chorus that we sang um, during worship, the one, I'm in love with God and He's in love with me. This is who I am and this is who I'll be. And that settles it. I think that's a line in there, right, Todd? And that settles it. Yes. So keep that in mind, okay? So God set me up last month. And he gave me a series of three dreams. 
and when it boiled down to it, it was, um, he was telling me that he was going to take me into a season of, um, of increased intimacy with him, a new uh, level of intimacy with him. And so I didn't really know, didn't understand what that meant. But, um, uh, but I ran with it. I, I'm, you know, kept my heart open. And um, I enrolled in a, in a class for myself. And God, he, lo- he knows me so well. I am so blessed and highly favored. And you know why I'm saying that? Because Tammy Von Horn told me to say that. I don't know if you guys heard that message, but it was an incredible message she gave a few weeks ago about knowing who we are and, um, and celebrating that and not being afraid or ashamed to say it, that we are amazing. So I highly encourage you to listen to it. So anyway, God loves me. And he, he, um, he and I... Um, you know, we, we listen to each other, and what he, he put this, this fun side into me where I love words. I don't, is it, just press this one to the right. Okay. I know those are, those are boggle letters if you can see them. Sorry. We're going to use Scrabble letters because I'm using a Scrabble analogy. But I love words. And this summer, um, my family, we decided to play Scrabble together. And, um, and through the course of a couple of games, Brent realized that, that uh, mom has a different kind of strategy when she plays. <laughs> I would be busy trying to play the most amazing word that I had on my tray, whereas my guys, Brent, Derek, and Aaron, we're trying to figure out how to place the J and the Z on the triple letter score and then encompass the double word score tile, too. Very, very different strategies. And mine was not the winning one. But I had fun. I had fun. And God knows that about me. He, he loves words. And or he, he placed in me that I, I love words and I love... Um, their meanings, and I love the word origins. So, um, and I also love mysteries and puzzles. Wait. Okay. So it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. And I am a princess in the kingdom. So I get to search out the matter of what God has concealed. And God knows that about me. He drove these points home to me. Um, I mentioned earlier that I attended what is call, what's called a prophetic um, processing workshop up at the mission. It's called, it was called the Good Fight. And many of their prophetic um, leaders... Um, up there um, helped us to process our prophetic words. 
And so one of my challenges or one of my encouragements to you tonight is as you're sitting here, even if you're just getting these downloads today, to start processing your prophetic words, to, to look at them, start looking at themes. Um, because what they made us do was they made us look at, um, they made us bring several prophetic words, and we had to um, analyze them as um, as the workshop went on, and there were various um, strategies to looking at your words. And what it boiled down to was I realized that God was speaking to me. I've received words, and so I'd keep them, and I don't know about you guys, but there were, um, sometimes I just shelved them. And then I tried to remember some words that were given to me, but um, sometimes they just, you know, I was hoping my spirit would get it. But there were some words that I was able to transcribe. And I um, put, I tried, I found a whole bunch of words that I, um, that I had laying around, and I brought them to this workshop. And lo and behold, I found out that the Lord was speaking to me. I had words from so many different sources. And... Um, so many different sources. I mean, people, groups that would not normally um, have ever met and, and or know anything about me. And yet, a lot of them had the same themes in, in these words that I was getting. And I'm like, oh, whoa, this has got to be God. This has got to be God. The, the, these were people, you know... Um, from people that I totally respect and who know me a little bit to people that I've never met before, and yet they were coming up with the same things about me. And I'm like, whoa, God, what is this? Because I actually looked at the words, and I was taking it into my spirit, and I was getting excited about what God was saying about me. And this first workshop dealt a lot with um, my identity, so God's been speaking to me all along, but then he told me my identity, my identity from heaven's perspective. I was blown away. You know, and that's me, and I, you know, I, I, it, was, uh, it was so mind-blowing. Um, Nina and I went, or Nina, you here still? Anyway, Nina and I went, and we're sitting there, we're bawling, because we're right, we wrote out these, what's called identity statements, and you look through your words, and you find out what the Lord is saying about you, what he's saying to you, and you hold on to those words, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, whoa, Lord, you really think that about me? You know, I'm looking at these words, and the themes are all coming through, and he's saying the same thing over and over and in different ways and using different illustrations and different analogies, and I am blown away about, about what God wants to say to me. It was so simple. So then I'm really curious. I put together my identity statement, and in fact, I had to use it before I got up here because... <laughs> um, this is not normally what I do. I don't really share like this a lot. So I had to use my identity statement. I had to look at how God was seeing me in the future and what he's calling me to and take steps towards what 
he sees. He's seeing me way out there, and I get to partner with him in moving towards what he sees about me. Oh, my gosh. And the same is true for every one of you. Look at your words. Look at what they are. Find the themes. See how he's speaking to you. And let this burn in your heart about who you are. You'll be amazed at what you see. And then you'll be able to, um, oh, Tammy Von Horn had us do an exercise at the end of her talk. And she wanted us to look in the mirror and just really enjoy how amazing we are. And I tell you, that was one of the hardest exercises that I had done in a long time. You know, you have this mirror in front of you, and you're supposed to stare at yourself. And I, it was like, oh, I, no, how, no, 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 I can't do this, you know. And this was, and then you're supposed to get prepped and just say, yes, I am amazing, and be able to go forward and have communion with Jesus. <laughs> and in that light, you go up and you say, yes, Jesus, I'm amazing. Thank you. Oh, that was so hard. That was so hard to do. But God set me up so that now I can look, because of my identity statement about that God, who God says that I am, who heaven says that I am, I can look in that mirror now and I can go, whoa, she's going to be amazing, God. She is going to be amazing. And I want to step into that. It makes me want to step into that. You really see that in me, God? You really think I can do that? Okay, I'll go with you in that. Because you're, you're in front of me and you're behind me. We got this love thing going. Remember, I'm in love with God and he's in love with me. Oh, and he's telling me that all the time. Oh, he is so good. So, we determined our identities, what God said about us. And, um, oh, sorry, that last one was the title of my message, Fulfill Your Word in Me. So I have this identity statement, this word from the Lord about who I am. And I'm sitting there, and, and Dano prays, Dano McCullum, up in the mission, he prays and he says this one line, he says, fulfill your word in me. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? Fulfill your word in me. Remember, I like words. So I'm like, Lord, what, what word are you fulfilling in me? I've always looked at that one and thought, okay, well, okay, fulfill the Bible in me because the Bible is the word of God, right? So fulfill the Bible in me, Lord. And it's like, well, that's really big. But then I get a revelation that God, of what God thinks of me, that he has a word about me. Yeah. <laughs> Just jump with me, okay? This is, just make this jump with me. He has a word. You are that word. You're the embodiment of that word. It's just like the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 
the ultimate word, Jesus! And we are like him, right? And we get to enter in that, into that same kind of, I don't know, transformation where the word was made flesh, where the word that God spoke about you is right, is right here, is right there, is where you are sitting. You are a word. You are an expression. The origin of the word word is a speech or a, uh, something spoken. So God took something spoken. He spoke about me, and here I am. He spoke about you, and there you are. You are a word. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys. And do you know, you know, the power of words? The, the words, words are so powerful. So, I did? Oh. So fulfill your word in me has take on, taken on a new meaning. As I look at this identity statement that I have, I'm thinking, instead of going, oh God, oh God, oh God, please fulfill this word in me, I'm like, Fulfill this word in me, God. Is that what you see? Then fulfill it in me. It gives you a whole, um, it makes your heart beat differently about who God thinks you are and how you can move with him in the giftings and the callings and the anointings that he's given you. Dang, we're good. We are so good. So as God says in um, Isaiah 55, 11, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. That's you. That is you. And that is a promise. That's a promise from the Lord. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. Think about that. When you go up against something, you don't think you can handle it, and you remember who you are and who God thinks you are, bam, guarantee, hello, I got fruit. You guys can't see it, but there's like I asked Brent to find mangoes and coconuts. <laughs> That's the fruit I like. Sometimes, lots of times they have apples and oranges, but I said, no, I want mangoes and coconuts up there. Oh, and they, they even got plumeria. Love plumeria. But man, it was a promise. It was, um, you guys remember the, um, the story that uh, Graham Cook told about David and Goliath? You like that story? And uh, so, so, yeah, so Goliath, I mean, David goes up against Goliath. And, you know, there's all this, there's all this drama around it. But David goes up, and remember, prior to that, Samuel already declared that he was going to be king, right? <laughs> and so, follow me with this one. Graham, Graham says... In that scenario, it sucks to be Goliath, right? Because 
You've got David with five stones. You've got this big old giant. But David has a word from the Lord that he's going to be king, and he's not king yet. So who's going down? Who's going down? Right? My word produces fruit. It will prosper. It will accomplish all I've said it would do everywhere I send it. So look at your words. Look at how God has spoken to you. Not only the ones that you hear, that you receive, and maybe you might receive some tonight, but also the ones that he's spoken over you. You know, all these these words that I looked at, man, they spanned, um, God, I went back all the way to 2003 when we entered this prophetic culture, you know, 2001, 2003, like that. And, um, and I started exploring with God, and I got so excited about the mysteries that he had planted in there for me, about me, and about who he is and how great he is. And I get to share that with you. Because in my dream, my dream also um, that I referenced earlier, it had an element of bringing the body with it, that, that the, the, the body was involved somehow, meaning the body of Christ Maybe specifically this body of believers right here, blazing fire, that we are entering into a new season of intimacy with the Lord, a new season of communication with him and with each other that we have never known before. So he is speaking to us, and there is a reason. There is a reason. (laughs) Oh, man. So I um, I really, really, really appreciated this story. This, uh, um, well, I guess a just a fact that Dave Crone shared with us that um, there are three hundred sextillion stars in the sky, and notice there's a plus after that number. Okay. That's the latest number. I'm quoting Dave Crone, by the way. That's the latest number that the scientists say are out there. They used to think that there were 200 sextillion, but they had calculated wrong. (laughs) Whatever. That number up there that you see is three with 23 zeros after it. That's a big, big number. And yet, David said... The heavens declare the glory of God, Psalm 19.1. And in 1 Corinthians, it says, The sun has one kind of glory, while the moon and the stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. So each star has its own glory. One of the definitions of glory is that which can be bragged about. So every star is declaring something unique about God. And it takes 300 sextillion things of them to do it. And then some. Pretty big God, right? And apparently a few years ago, a school teacher discovered something scientists called the green blob. It's a place in the heavens, and there's about 17 of them scattered across the universe. 
where scientists don't expect anything to be, but what they've partially discovered about them is that these are places where stars are being born. Oh, OMG, okay? Oh my goodness. And the one who created all of that, and it requires all of that to adequately declare all of who he is, and there's still not enough, is the one that says to each one of us, you're my favorite. You are my favorite. And he says, yes. He says, yes, you're my favorite. Absolutely, you're my favorite. I have gone down to the gluons in your cells that hold your cells together. I have strung together your DNA that makes a symphony. These are all, by the way, some past um, sermons that were given. You are a symphony. God's holding you together. He created you. He knows everything about you. And then he wants you to walk in what he, in who he says you are. It is such an exciting time to figure out who you are. And, and it's been exciting to figure out who I am, you know, because we were born in a pretty amazing time. <laughs> and why, why you ask, you know, what is this all for? Yes, it's to encourage you. It's to encourage you, to build you up, to get you to know who your God is and who you are in him and what you can do. That's what that's for. Because the, um, if, you, if we were able to go back, and I'm not going to go back because I think I'll mess up the... Uh, the slideshow, but the picture that they used for, and the title that they used for this workshop is called The Good Fight, and underneath it was a sword. And I'm like, why sword? Well, let me tell you. Because in Hebrews 4.12, it talks about how the word of the Lord is like a two-edged sword. <laughs> It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our inmost thoughts and desires. That's the New Living Translation. We have a sword. We are a word, but we also have a sword, and it's to be used. They told us that this is not a tool for your tool belt but rather a sword for your sword belt. In Ephesians, where it talks about put on the armor of God, it's the belt of truth. And in the Roman armor, that belt was the sword belt. So we've got the belt. Who's, who, who is the truth? Yes, Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and life. So he's our belt. And we get this little dagger I say dagger because, and then this is just my interpretation if I think about it, a dagger is when it's fighting is up close and personal. 
It's when the enemy is trying to attack you one-on-one, face-to-face, and you take out your word, you take out your sword, who you are in God, and you attack the enemy with that. And you have the assurance that God's going to back you up because his word does not come back to him void. That's what that, that sword is for. This word is for. It's to take down what the enemy would otherwise rob, steal, and destroy. Not just for yourself, but for those around you, those you love, those you work with, this world. One of the words that Chris gave us, Chris Valentin, gave to Blazing Fire many years ago, among other words, was that he saw an army. He saw an army being raised up in this body. And I believe we are entering into that time as well. A people who knows who their God is and who they are and what they carry. I believe we're stepping into this word. So now we're looking at a corporate word, right? A corporate word for blazing fire. And we're going to fight the good fight. We so are. So, on the uh, universal Scrabble board, you are that amazing word on God's tray. And he's looking for just the right moment to activate, to play that word And he will use it in the most strategic way to maximize his purposes and his glory. Don't you just love that about God? (laughs) He is. He is getting ready to use us. But one of the things that they encouraged us to do is to have the courage to step into that, to want that, to want to go there with God. And in that, he may ask you to let go of some things that aren't going to help you get to where you need to be. And that part can be very hard. And you might be go kicking and screaming, but you know what? It's good at the end. And the sooner you stop kicking and screaming, the quicker you'll get there. So let's do that. Let's, let's do that. So Graham, Graham Cook challenged us. And he asked, how amazing do you want to become? Think about that. How amazing do you want to become? 
because God knows it already. He just wants you to partner with him. He just wants you to jump in the boat. Jump on the surfboard. When I, that was one of my words. Surfing. I don't surf, though. How amazing do you want to become? Explore that with God. I challenge you. Take a look at your words. Take a look at the words you've been given, the words that the Lord has spoken to you, the words that maybe even, you know, your neighbor gave you or something, and you're like, wait, that resonates with me. That feels good. I'm going to explore that with God and see where he takes me. And Dano McCollum blessed us with embrace the grace to be amazing. Know who you are and embrace it because we got things to do. We got things to do and people to love on and a world to save, and he is going to do it through you and through me. <laughs> He's going to do it. Keith Ferrante said, in these, in these days, those who have the most joy and hope will have the most influence. Let's be that people. Come on, guys. We can do it. We can be that people. We are that people, and it's coming. So I'd like to invite our seasoned prophetic team up. Oh, I already did. Right? Did we make that declaration? Do you guys want to say this? Just let's say how amazing we want to become. Wait, where was that? Where was the declaration? I thought that was it. <laughs> oh, I know. What I wanted all of us to say together, if you would stand with me, please. It's really, really simple. It is, fulfill your word in me and say it like you mean it. All right? Ready? Three, two, one. Okay, so.